you get certain moments in life that are just surreal. You know, and you, you, you got to actually be in the moment in order to feel its authenticity. And this is one such moment as we go to the phone lines right now on the Quack Attack and reunite with the G unit himself, Greg Peterson, Vegas Stats and Information Network, formerly of this year's station, 1029 The Game, and our uh, our podcast we did this time a season ago on Sunday mornings, the Pacific Rim. Greg, what's up, man? Judah, it is so good to be back on with you, my friend. How are you? I'm good. They've been cracking down on bump music around here lately, so I wasn't able to bring you in with uh, the outfield like I really wanted to. Oh, man, you're loved by the outfield, the ultimate bump song. We all know that, but you know what? That was pretty solid as well. You know, I I, you know, I can't help myself. I'm going to play a little bit. Here we go. I just want to use your love tonight. There it is. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I don't want to lose your love tonight. One, two, three. <laughs> All right, Greg. Um, Vegas, Pac-12 tournament's going on right now. I know a lot of uh, Duck fans have kind of given up on at-large possibilities, as they should, unless this team finds a little magic, which I'm not sure if that's very likely. What are your thoughts on the Pac-12 this year? And, uh, you know, there's something to be said for how weak it's been, and yet at the same time, you had Arizona State at one point ranked third in the country somehow and finished ninth in their own conference, and you had Arizona as a top-two preseason-ranked team, and it was a very turbulent year for them as well. What, what do you make of Pac-12 basketball this year? Well, you know what? If everyone in the Pac-12 could play against Kansas, they'd be doing pretty well because Arizona State and Washington seem to have their number. But at the same time, this conference just didn't get the job done when they needed to. I mean, for Arizona State to go 8-11 and in this conference, get swept by Oregon, get swept by Stanford, lose twice to Colorado State, that is absolutely inexplicable. I have not seen a team fall off the map like this in a very long time. I mean, actually, you take a look at it, USC has not been too bad. They had that loss to Princeton early on in the year. That was a little bit head-scratching. They gave away some late leads. Obviously, losing on that half-quarter against Stanford was very brutal. The lead they blew against Arizona State, not good. But at the same time, I think they should be an NCAA tournament team. UCLA is looking like they're getting on the right side of the bubble. If they win one game in the Pac-12 tournament, it's going to be hard to leave them out. But at the same time, you've got some of these teams where you just don't know what's going on because Oregon has some nice wins on their resume. They had a nice one against Arizona last week, but it looks like at the very minimum they're going to have to they're going to have to make the finals of the Pac-12 tournament in order to get in. And then you've got Arizona itself, a team that plays zero defense whatsoever, but might have the most talent of any team in the country. DeAndre Ayton is, in my opinion, going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Alonzo Trier has tons of upside, but sometimes he just gets lackadaisical. He just settles for jump shots when he should be really driving into the hole, but. You've got the ultimate linchpin in Raleigh Alkins. Ever since he came back from Arizona, they've looked like a different team. Who do you like to win this tournament? You've got to like Arizona here, but at the same time, you've got a bunch of interesting sleepers. I mean, heck, I'll even throw out there Oregon as a sleeper. I mean, I know that Oregon is a sixth seed. They're going to be taking on Washington State tonight. I actually think that Washington State covers the 11.5 out here in Vegas, but I think Oregon gets a win there. I think that Oregon could get on a little bit of a heater. I think that they could possibly make the final play against Arizona. How devastating was the boat ride injury for USC's chances to do anything special? I mean, it is devastating. I think that USC should be in the field regardless. 
They have an RPI of 32. They won the Diamond Head Classic out there in Hawaii. And they have some good wins on their resume. So I think USC should be in. But at the same time, losing Bo Wright, it hurts. But at the same time, if you take a look at how, how USC played last year, they actually, I believe, won 10-4 and four without him. So this is a team that has played without Bo Wright in the past and has been successful. But at the same time, you add on there the loss of DeAndre Melton earlier in the year because obviously he did not play at all. That's a bit... That's a big loss. The big key is, can Chemezi Metu break through and really show that potential that he showed all year long? Because he showed flashes of being able to dominate a game. Now he has to go out there and be a guy that's scoring like 28, 25 points and getting 10 rebounds a game. Greg Peterson joining us on the game. This is the Quack Attack. Follow Greg on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. You mentioned the Ducks-Cougars matchup that's coming up tonight at 8.30 and that you like Washington State plus the 11.5. What's your breakdown of that matchup? You take a look at this game. I mean, Washington State just beat Oregon a couple weeks ago. I know that that game was in Pullman, but Washington State actually is a team that they practice with a very shortened shot clock. I know that Ernie Kent, implemented that to get Washington State a little bit more up-tempo. I mean, there have been times where they showed that. I remember when they won the Wooden, Wooden Legacy, they hung like 90 points on San Diego State. They were playing out their mind on offense, knocked out St. Mary's. But then they just hit a big, giant bowl. I mean, this is a team that nearly lost to Seattle earlier this year on their home court. I mean, I just have no idea what happened to Washington State throughout the year. But they seem to be having some good guard play in Fleming Company, so I do think that Washington State has a decent chance to be able to at least hang within single digits. I just think that Oregon's going to have a little bit too much. You take a look at Brown and Company, they seem to have a lot of potential there, and there are times where they really show it, too. And Dana Ullman, one of the best coaches in all of college basketball, they have a good point guard at Peyton Pritchard, but they just sometimes get a little bit too careless, and that's my trepidation with Oregon, especially laying double digits. It's such a weird year and a weird landscape in the Pac-12. As you take a look at the tournament, uh, the conference tournament, and the bubble across the country, how many teams max can you see going to the tournament from this conference? I mean, if everything were to go right for the Pac-12, I could see four. I just think Ooh. that the three number is what it's looking like for the conference right now because with Arizona State losing, they should not be allowed into the NCAA tournament. Their RPI is now 65. They have three quadrant one wins. Now, knocking off Kansas and knocking off Xavier, two huge wins, but you go 8-11 against Pac-12 foes, and this Pac-12, as we know, is not very good this year. You do not belong in the NCAA tournament with that resume. So I think that they're out. I think USC should be in. I think Arizona is no doubt a lock as well. And then from there, I think UCLA finds a way to get in, and perhaps you maybe get a big team. Perhaps it's a Stanford. Maybe it's in Oregon. Heck, I think Washington even has a chance to get in that large if they can make it to the Pac-12 final because they will have to knock off Arizona to get there. And Washington actually played really well at a conference as well. I alluded to their win against Kansas. I know that they lost two games in New York when they played against Providence. And I believe their other game, I completely forget who it was actually against Virginia Tech that they were playing against. But, I mean, they definitely challenged themselves out of conference. So I don't think Washington's dead yet for an at-large as well. I'm looking at some of these uh, non-Power 5 teams that have had really nice seasons and might be able to do some damage, and I'm I'm curious your thoughts on them. The first one is um, Rhode Island, and this is a team that Duck fans should be familiar with because they faced them last year in the tournament, and Rhode Island nearly snipped them in Sacramento. 
Right now, a lot of, you know, where, where do you have Rhode Island in terms of your personal bracketology, and could they be another team under uh, Danny Hurley that can make some noise? Just a few weeks ago, Rhode Island was the five seed in my bracketology after losing a couple games, including one by 30 against St. John's. I don't know, how, or St. Joe's. I don't know how that happened. They've fallen into an 8-9 matchup, but at the same time, I still really like this team. E.C. Matthews is a senior guard that's been a little bit banged up this year, but he's able to really take over games. And we really saw the depth of this team as well, just the guard play come out against the Ducks. I mean, what I really question is, are they going to have enough rebounding to be able to keep opponents at bay? They don't necessarily have the best size, but at the same time, let's say they get matched up against Kansas. Kansas is a team that has only one big man in Yudoka as a rookie, a guy who's currently injured and going to miss a Big 12 tournament. I mean, I could actually see Rhode Island, if they get to that spot, play against Kansas in a 1A matchup. I could see them possibly being able to pull an upset and get to the Sweet 16. Greg Peterson joining us right now. You can watch uh, Greg's show, March to Madness, on uh, Vegas Sports Information Network Live, V-S-I-N Live. Greg, what time is that going on now? That is 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific, Monday through Friday, and then every Saturday from 11 to noon. And a little bit of a programming note, from 3 to 6 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday, I'll be live on set with Brent Musburger, breaking down the whole uh, bracket. We're going to be breaking it down from a Vegas perspective. I'm going to be going ballistic at the teams that don't deserve to be in the tournament and got overseeded. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You've got to be pinching yourself when you sit next to Uncle Brett. That's amazing. Yeah, it's not going to lie. It's pretty darn cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, too, about a, uh, you know, a, a lower-profile team that could be sneaky. Double-digit seeds that are primed to spring some upsets. And I'm looking at South Dakota State. What are your thoughts on the Jackrabbits? Yes, sir. If you don't know the name Mike Dobbs, get to know it. He averages 23.8 points, 10.4 rebounds per game. Guys, six foot nine shoots over 42% from distance. He is one of the best mid-major players you are going to see. This San Diego or South Dakota State team, they shoot at one of the best clips at the free throw line in the nation. They shoot really well from three. They don't play a whole lot of defense, but at the same time, I remember watching this team play Wichita State toe-to-toe for about 35 minutes earlier this year. They went two overtime and knocked off Ole Miss on the road. They also knocked off Iowa earlier this year. You may recall they were a 16th team last year. They played against Gonzaga. They gave them a really good half. They hung in there within two points. Now, this South Dakota State team, very dangerous. If they get the right matchup, like say they get pitted against Ohio State in a 4-13 matchup, I would actually take South Dakota State. I look at Virginia and what Tony Bennett does there. I'm such a fan of him, but there seems to always be a ceiling on that team because of their offense. You know, Obviously, they play elite defense, but their offense can limit them at times. However, Greg, could this be the year that Virginia's pack line just takes them all the way to the top? If I had to pick one team to win the national title today, I would pick Virginia. And it's because they've got multiple guys that can get them out of shooting holes. Before, it was only Kyle Anderson or it was only Malcolm Brogdon that could score on command. Now you've got Kyle Guy. You've got Ty Jerome. Paul is a good scorer for this team as well. I mean, you don't get much out of Jack Phil low, but the fact that Virginia has scoring options past just a numero uno, that is huge for this team. Because I'll be honest here, last year when they had London Prentice, they essentially had no-go-to scores. So that's the big difference with Virginia. We saw that when they came back from down double digits uh, a couple uh, weeks ago when they were playing against Louisville. Actually, erased a four-point lead in under a second. 
I don't know how that happens, Louisville. They keep wins in the regular season, but that's beyond the point. You also saw this team a couple weeks ago playing against Florida State. They were down 10 at the half. They did not panic. They continued to play their game. They just scratched and clawed their way to victory. I really like this Virginia squad. Basketball in the city of Cincinnati is going to another level this year with the play of Xavier and the play of the Bearcats as well. Our program director here, Bruce Collins, big fan of the Bearcats. Bruce! Who goes farther, Greg? And keep Bruce in mind with this answer. Xavier or Cincinnati? <laughs> it's actually Cincinnati, and I say this in all legitimacy because if you take a look at Xavier, right now I have them as a the number one seed. I easily see them falling to the two line because someone has to lose in the Big East tournament among Villanova and Xavier, and I don't even know if Xavier gets to the, the title game in all honesty. But you take a look at Cincinnati. This is the number one team in the nation in regards to defensive efficiency. They allow the fewest points per possession of any team in the country. They go about 9 or 10 deep, so you got to like that. Kyle Washington down low, just an absolute maniac. You've got Gary Clark as well. This is a team that can cook with gas on defense. They are built on their bank. They rebound just insanely well. Meanwhile, Xavier, they've been winning games, but they've been doing so in very narrow ways. I mean, this team needed a four-point play to go to overtime on their home floor against Georgetown. They had to come back from down 20 in non-conference play against East Tennessee State. They nearly blew a 17-point lead against a Marshall team that can't guard its own shadow. So if you take a look at it, I really like Cincinnati's chances much more than Xavier. Saw this on Facebook, Craig, and we'll get you out on this. It is a season of upsets. Speaking of which, you're in a committed relationship, my man? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they said that a, a 16 seed could never defeat a one seed. Well, my friends, I guess this might be the year because that has officially happened. Take Greg off the market. Greg, it's good reconnecting with you again, my man. Uh, we'll follow you on Twitter, at GUnit underscore 81, and keep crushing it down in Vegas. Judah, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. <laughs>